welcome back to another episode of Drew Co. Unplugged. This is our final episode talking about college football this year, I believe. Zach and I talk about more of the transfer portal. We talk about National Signing Day and we discuss more. Enjoy and have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hello, sir. What's up? Oh, just reading some stuff here. Just what? Just reading some stuff. <clears throat> okay. How goes it for you? Ooh, not too bad. It's a late one here. We're uh, starting this one pretty late. We went out and went out with some friends. Uh, we took the kids bowling, that kind of fun stuff. So had to be had to be social for once. We don't we don't go out much or you know. That sucks. <laughs> we, we we had to had to go be social a little bit, but it was fun. It was fun. Well, that's good, dude. At least you uh, got out and about. I uh, had a crazy day. I worked and went to a little award ceremony. Worked some more. Had some sushi. Went to the gym twice. I was gonna um, say you gotta give, gotta give your little uh, student of the month some shout I out know, there, dude. Aiden, <laughs> he had no idea. Even when he saw us there, he had no idea. And then uh, his name got called, and he was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> I can tell he you uh, you sent me that video, man. And he just like he got up and walked down that red carpet and took it. He was just so proud, man. Like you could tell he was, uh, you could tell he was excited. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with all that we got going on in our house, it was nice that he got that this month. Um, So, good, 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 good stuff. Um, Transfer Portal has been um, interesting. Not, I mean, there's been some movement, but not, um, I just don't feel like there has been, like, a truly, like, surprising or dramatic signing yet. Um, I do know there's a couple of people that are in the portal that uh, I'm really curious to see where they will go. Uh, I've yet to see um, USC's quarterback, where he's going to end up at, uh, and then also uh, the Texas backup who started quite a few games and won games this year, Malik Murphy. Um, really curious to see where those two go. That's that's kind of uh, the two that I'm paying attention to right now. Yeah, nothing, um, nothing crazy. Been kind of quiet for the Buckeyes, um, for sure. Like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know. If, I'm sorry. Hold on. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, this is an article from just two minutes ago saying Malik Murphy to transfer to Duke. Really. Um, that might have just happened as we as we that's, logged on here. Um, that's it's, so it's an article from Sports Illustrated, so um, I mean it's probably yeah. pretty accurate, but still, that's that's pretty surprising. I would guess that's probably yeah. I w- I would guess it's probably true. I know he was um he was planning a visit there and and a few other places, and you know, kind of like we had, I, I talked with you, um, he didn't really get the um. 
you know, the the major like top 12 um, kind of school interest that I thought he would. You know, I thought there would be a little more interest from somebody like a USC or an LSU or um, one of those top schools. But, you know, he was looking at like, I forget what I said, like Duke and Rice and Houston and like some really like lower lower level schools, but um, you know I think Duke's a good a good fit for him. You know Riley Leonard played pretty well there, and he's off to uh, off to Notre Dame. You know as everybody kind of expected. So if this is true, um, probably a good fit for him. I think. I think it'll be a good opportunity for him to step into a starting role where he can grow and develop and not have to worry about instantly getting benched. And he can also potentially, you know, uh, put himself on the map. I mean, look at Drake May. He's been with North Carolina his whole career, or at least the last few years. I don't know if he's been there his whole career. I don't know that much about him. But I know he's been with UNC the last few years. And he's still pretty high on uh, a lot of draft boards for the QB slot. So it's not – it's not really that, uh, especially when you're thinking about the NFL, it, it's not the traditional, it's it's different these days. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, realistically, even in NFL history, some of the greats came from no-name schools. I mean, look at Big Ben. He came from Miami of Ohio. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, so I'll, and realistically, and more often than not, the – those top five schools, top six schools, don't actually make great NFL quarterbacks. And, you know, Michigan fans, my buddy Burns will listen to this. He'll be like, oh, but Tom Brady. And it's like, listen, you guys hated Tom Brady when he was there. You guys tried to boo him out of there. You wanted nothing to do with him until all of a sudden he starts winning Super Bowls in the NFL, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we had Brady, the best quarterback ever. Like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, he was the best. Would he have been the 199th pick? Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. It's no, one I, of those things. I feel like those um, – Right now, it just seems like a lot of those uh, medium-tier schools. I mean, if you look at the NFL starters, like Justin Herbert, I consider in football UCLA as a medium-tier school. I don't think they're a top-tier school. They're in a power uh, – well, power four now. Um, a power four program. So, Dukes, you know, they're in the ACC. They're still one of the power programs out there or conferences. Um, I think there's a lot of good opportunity for him to – grow and develop and see how he ranks as a starter versus a stand-in for three to four games. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I mean, it's, you know, like, like you said, I mean, I think the thing is, you know, a lot of people get caught up on, um, on names a lot. You know, I think when, when you, these guys are, you know, transferring and stuff and sometimes if they take a little bit of a, I guess that, you know, a step backwards in, in terms of, um, you know, the level of school they're at, right? You know, when they go from a Texas to a, a Duke, as Malik Murphy did, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Duke, you know, why the heck would anybody, you know, want to play football at Duke? But, you know, the, the thing is, like, with the NFL, like, you just have to play somewhere. Like, if you're good enough, the NFL will find you. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's like like, like Josh Allen, right, played at Wyoming. Yeah. Um, you know, Brock Purdy was the very last – 
pick in the draft, uh, you know, from, from he Iowa even, State. So, I was just saying, yeah. I don't remember where he played. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people are, you know, especially, you know, uh, Kyle McCord, you know, he got memed a lot today from uh, the uh, trouncing that Syracuse took last night, you know, to uh, to USF and stuff. And, you know, so again, you know, these guys, people get a lot of heat, take a lot of heat for, um, you know, making those kind of, uh, you know, step back moves, I guess, or whatever. But the thing is about the NFL, again, like you said, you don't have to play at Alabama. You don't have to play at Ohio State. You don't have to play at Georgia. If you're good enough, you just have to get on the field and, and show what you can do. And um, you just have to play. That's, that's all That's all there is to it. You got to get on the, got to be on the field. You know, you can't, you can't make it to the NFL holding a clipboard. So it doesn't matter. doesn't matter where you go. You know, the NFL will find you if you're good enough. Well, yeah. I mean, you could take a look at Stetson Bennett. What's he doing in the NFL? He got cut. He was drafted by the Rams late round and got cut. And I don't even think he's on a roster right now. Maybe he is on like a practice squad somewhere. Um, and he's two-time national champion. Yeah. So it just goes to show. And I, I do think um, – as funny as it is, I know I was uh, talking a little shit about it, laughing with you, <laughs> with Syracuse getting beat and, you know, McCord going there. But in reality, I think it's it's what Kyle McCord needs. That's his personality, and that's his um, his daddy's personality. You know, he's going to get those guarantees at Syracuse. Guaranteed start. Uh, I don't know about guaranteed NIL money. Good luck with that. You're not going to get nearly as much at Syracuse as you're getting at Ohio State. But, hey, whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, he just needs to be in a pressure-free environment where he can be himself. And you never know. I mean, he might go to Syracuse and just absolutely turn heads and play insanely great. And people try to treat us like the Joe Burrow situation. Um, and be like, oh, look, Ohio State giving up another great quarterback. They did it first with Joe Burrow, which we've talked about multiple times, that when he went to LSU that first season, he was average, below average at best. Yeah, Yeah. and he just fell into – and he developed, obviously, but he fell into the perfect situation, getting the perfect offensive coordinator, having the best weapons I've ever seen – yeah, in total on a team, and it and it obviously it panned out for him. He got a good growth year, and maybe McCord will get that. But you know, McCord's only got this one season left, unless he can. I don't know if he can claim a COVID season or not. I don't know, um, but I know his first season, uh, or no, was it? I don't know if it was last season or the season before. Um, he got stuck in a game that we were trouncing a team. And it was his fifth time. We were uh, redshirting him, and he got put in five different games because we didn't want to risk our quarterback getting hurt. So he kind of lost an extra year of eligibility there through that. So, I mean, I don't blame him. Go somewhere where you know you're going to start your senior year and see what happens. Yeah, and I, I will say too, you know, I know they, you know, again, they got their absolutely, uh, they they got their butts absolutely handed to them last night to uh, to USF, you know, getting shut out. But um, I, I think I think Syracuse is going to be going to going to take a little bit of a step up next year, not just because of um, Kyle McCord, but you know, um, their new head coach Fran Brown coming over from Georgia. Um, he's been there, de- Georgia's defensive backs 
coach the last few years, um, you know, people are really high on him, um, especially recruits. You know, I've already seen, you know, they've um, Syracuse has already landed a couple, um, a couple really nice players in the portal besides, uh, you know, McCord, they've landed um, an, an edge player. It was a four-star edge rusher from uh, Texas A&M um, two um, wide receivers from Georgia um, that followed Fran Brown there. I think they've got a nice looking safety and, and linebacker and stuff. So, you know, they've, they've made some good moves. I think he's going to be a good coach. Obviously they're taking a step up at quarterback. And, um, the other thing I've seen, they've got a really, really, really easy schedule next year. Um, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be, a, a, a you know, a top 12 playoff team or anything, but, you know, from winning six games this year to, you know, obviously getting a, a good step up in talent and coaching next year, and the fact that I think on their schedule, I'm pretty sure they don't have to play Clemson, Florida State, or UNC. So wow. their schedule is extremely, extremely favorable. Um, so, you know, not it's not completely crazy to say that, you know, they could be a nine-win nine team next year maybe, you know, um, nine, ten wins, you know, just based on an easy schedule and, you know, a little bit of a step up in talent, so – Speaking yeah. of Florida State, they actually submitted their documents yesterday to start their um, removal process from the ACC. Yeah. I don't know where they plan to go. If I had to guess, I would like to think it would probably be the Big 12. Um, I could be wrong, but I feel like their caliber of program, they just can't afford to go to the Big 10, especially now. Um or the SEC, they, they will not compete, and um, they'll watch their program sink like the Titanic, I think, because they'll get left in the dust. Um, just that's my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong, uh, but I think that's that's what that would look like. Um, so I, I would imagine they're probably going to go to the Big 12. Um, I'm also curious because I haven't seen any like other news on what's going on with the rest of those Pac-12 teams that didn't declare to go anywhere else. So, like, because they're saying it was last year the Pac-12, but I don't – do they just become independent teams now, like Washington State? Um, oh, who else was in there? A couple of other teams, Colorado. Like, where do they fall now? I mean, do you have any idea? That I haven't seen anything about that. So, I feel like the Pac still exists. It's just – those core teams that made the Pac-12, the Pac-12 just aren't in it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, I think, what is it? There's only two teams that are left. I want to say it's like Oregon State and someone else, because I know USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington are going to the Big Ten. Colorado, right. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are going to the Big 12. Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC. So I think it's, I think Washington state and Oregon state are the only two teams um, remaining in the PAC 12. So yeah, what happens with them? I don't know. I, I don't and that's know. gotta, that's gotta be tough to that situation, especially being up in the PAC Northwest like that, because no matter what decision you make, your team is instantly doubling, if not tripling their, traveling distance for the season yeah right i mean if you think about it like even usd ucla uh or not usd uh, ucla um washington oregon actually yeah usd as well 
they're also doubling. Now, I do know that the way that they have tried to line up next year's schedules, it's um, you're going to see a lot of UCLA, USC, Washington, and um, Oregon play each other. And a lot of people will probably be like, oh, that's kind of like the Pac-12. But it's not out of that. It's actually out of scheduling purposes and traveling and making it a realistic affair. Because once you, you know, come in one week, you're at Indiana. The next week, you're at California. The next week, you're at Ohio State. And then you're back in maybe you're in Michigan or you're, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a lot for a college program week to week. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like um, from what I from what I understand, it said that I don't think it's a permanent move, but just um, temporarily for the next two years, um, Oregon State and Washington State are going to be affiliate. It's an affiliate membership with the WCC, the Western Coast Conference, which is schools like um, Gonzaga, I think um, some some not. That's interesting considering. Oregon State for the better part of the I mean for a decent amount of the year they were in the top twenty five. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's interesting to see. Um curious to see how that's gonna work out for them. I mean, maybe it's just victim of victim of circumstance and trying to which I mean that's tough, you know. They there was always those talks of it and then a lot of it didn't come official until this past off season. Like late spring, early summer, like, oh, hey, um, I think the first two to really make that move, it was uh, Wash, was it Washington, Oregon, or Oregon, USC? Uh, uh, UCLA, no, and, UCLA and USC. Right, so they were the first two to be like, okay, hey, we're going. And then the talk started talking up, like, okay, well, what about Washington? What about Oregon? And then um, Texas was talking about going to the SEC, and next thing you know, Texas going to the SEC, and then you got Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, and then you got Oklahoma going to the, the SEC, and it's like, oh, crap. Like, we're – I mean, I thought with the way that that was all going, I'm like, man, we're about to have two conferences, which essentially we that's what it's turning into. Um, I'm just really curious to see how all this is going to play out. I think the timing of the – and I think this might play into it. Sorry about the noise. Um, I think the timing of the com- the college football scene going to a 12-team playoff and all these teams switching conferences, I think they're aligned for a reason. I think there's a little more strategy involved there. Because if you think about it, if we were sitting in a four-team playoff uh, format, I mean – how it's not the Big Ten versus the SEC is, I mean, it'd be beyond me. How, how would it not be when you look at the landscape? So, um, but I also think that expansion, it's going to allow, right? So, like, say if Oregon has one loss or uh, Texas has one loss or one of these, you know, conference teams have one loss or maybe even two losses now that it's 12 teams, um, they can still get in. And, you know, if, I could, if I was a college football team and my only losses were to Alabama and Georgia or Ohio State and Michigan, eh, I could probably hang my hat on that. Be like, all right, we're probably still a pretty good team. Yeah. Yeah, this conference realignment thing, it's, um, 
it's getting confusing for sure. If it, you know, trying to keep up with, um, you know, who's where and, uh, <laughs> you know, everything it's, it's crazy, you know, and I've heard so many different, um, different kind of theories on when th- where things are heading. Um, you know, obviously, re- as of right now, you've got basically a, a power four, you know, kind of uh, group of conferences. You know I mean, it's it's you got Big Ten, um, SEC, ACC is hanging on for now, um, and, and, and then you 12. got the Big Twelve because you know the Pac Pac Twelve is gone, and then after that. Everybody else is just, you know, the smaller. So, I mean, I feel um, like. Yeah, but you know, but I, I've heard a lot of people say that they think it could come to um, eventually they're just being basically two major conferences. You know what I mean? Like just um, like the Big Ten and the SEC both having 20 some schools. And then you've got almost an, an NFL sort of uh, situation with like ACC versus NFC, uh, AFC versus NFC. Sorry. And um, yeah, that that could be that could be crazy. But. I don't know. It's it's getting confusing for sure. <laughs> I know. I, I did see though. I, I've actually just um, kind of floating around the message boards and stuff. Um, I I think Florida State has actually um, sent. I don't know if you would call it an application or what the formal you know document is called, but um, I, I think they have sent an initial sort of letter of interest um, to the Big Ten, saying you know I don't think it's it's far from being done or you know, anything like that. It's very early stages, but I think, um, I actually do think Florida state could be, could be a fit in the big 10, you know, certainly it seems like just, um, geographically you would think they would fit into like the sec, you know, or the big 12 more naturally, but you know, as we've seen now, you know, this geography doesn't matter. So. Well, um, that would also, I mean, the big Ten's already national right when we added in ucla and ust that made us pretty much that made us national um yeah and a lot of people didn't understand years ago when we added in nebraska and Rutgers. everyone's like oh my god why would you add those teams they suck and it's like uh it's called (laughs) revenue (laughs) tv revenue all of a sudden now you're in different time zones you're not just like in the eastern central area you're and then next thing you know, because now, I mean, this year we were on CBS. We've never been on CBS. And you can tell because every game that was aired on CBS for Ohio State, you could tell that they were not happy to be doing the game. <laughs> it was weird. Their announcers were terrible, too. Oh, so dude, bad. don't get me started. I've never, I'm telling you. If I had to listen to Gary Danielson call one more game this year, <laughs> the dude is so obsessed with Alabama and Nick Saban. It is disgusting. It's disgusting to listen to. I mean, it's in, it's insufferable to watch and listen to. I uh, And that's the thing, though, because we're doing this podcast – I'm watching as many games as possible. So it just seemed like every freaking week I had to listen to that guy. Uh. Yeah, well, well, just a quick thing on that. Like, it is kind of um, – I know you've said on here before, like, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the podcast has um, sort of rejuvenated your interest in college football. Like, it's almost like uh, like fantasy football. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of gives you – gives you a reason to watch the games and kind of a, a reason to be, you know, interested or invested or, uh, Oh, know, I, I find I'm, I have head and shoulders this past year 
a major, major fan of college football. Um, because last year, I'm going to be honest, dude, last season, I didn't really give a shit. I, I would watch Ohio State play. Um, but, you know, if we had planned like a family outing and it happened to be at the same time as Ohio State, I'm like, whatever. I don't care if I miss the game. Whereas this year, I'm, I'm like, yeah, hey, these time frames, they're blocked. <laughs> well, basically all <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it definitely reengaged my interest and love again for college football. And a lot of it's tough, though, especially being a Buckeye fan and being so far away from the culture. Hmm. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because out here there's Ohio state fans. I see people, but it's not the same. And it's not the same, especially if you go into like Athens or Columbus or um, that kind of thing. So I do want to point out though, and other, I think the most transfer portal commits and signs that I have seen has all been for uh, Colorado Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just are, I'm looking uh, at a uh, article right now about it. Yeah, as for the um, you know the transfer portal, like they 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 do cra- crazy now, you know, kind of like like they do for um, high school rankings. They do uh, portal rankings too, and, and yeah, they've got um, 16 guys coming in. You know, they they they're the number one um, you know team, and as far as transfer rankings, which is just so weird to say um say now but yeah i mean you, you're you've seen it the past two years hell what was it last year you know uh sanders gave like 60 some dudes the boot and you know he brought in just an, an insane amount of players in the transfer portal you know this year it's not quite as bad but you know he does have um 16 guys coming in and you know what like probably i mean probably that many going out too you know so um yeah so I mean, what he's I... done a good job. he he also landed a um five-star offensive tackle that um you know was uh right there down coming down to the end with the Buckeyes as, as well um so yeah old Prime's got the uh got it cooking in terms of at least bringing in talent you know whether that'll translate to wins I don't know we'll see but you know he's uh, well he's good. I want to point out a couple of things one it was 53 and the only reason why I know that number is because I finally am watching that coach prime thing on Amazon Um, I'm on episode three. Okay. Um, Two, I think it is very, very, very important to note that you can be the number one overall transfer portal ranking person. That does not mean that you are even in the top 25, top 50 ranking of the actual college football players. I think that's really important to note because – you are looking for a reason. Yeah, That's something to highlight. Now, it might be a situation where, like, I mean, hell, even Jaden Daniels, who just won the Heisman, he didn't look great at Arizona State. He wasn't jumping off the page. He he got an opportunity with LSU, and he he thrived with it. But it wasn't like he was this major, major standout at Arizona State, and they're like, He's like, all right, you know, I've outgrown this um, type of deal. I mean, there's videos that 
have surfaced since he won the Heisman of like his teammates were saying that he sucks and he turns the ball over too much and <laughs> he's always looking to run away and I mean obviously he's getting the last laugh but um, yeah I think it's important to note um, also what I have noticed though while um, Colorado has been getting a lot of transfer portal signings they are also a lot of like players that I've seen come out of like Dartmouth, um, you know, a bunch of like no name type of schools. So it's like, we don't really know how good they are. And I have seen that they also lost a lot of their top level high school recruits prospects. I think, in my opinion, that's more important to note because typically that's going to be your, your true four star, five star players. Um, and speaking of national signing day, Ohio State did have a top five class on signing day. So go us. <laughs> yeah, they did. And, uh, um, uh, unfortunately, um, they were top two. They, they were second, um, probably for over a year now. They, they've been ranked second, um, only to, only to Georgia and, um, kind of lost a, a couple, um, two or three commits, you know, coming right down here to the uh, to the wire. Um, you know, we had a five-star defensive tackle that flipped to Miami. We had a running back that flipped to Miami. And then um, a wide receiver that flipped to Oregon. Um, still a top, yeah, like you said, you know, a top five class. I mean, they, they signed 20, 21 players. Um, but out of those 21, we, we signed the most five-star players of, um, of any team in the country. So, um, yeah, we lost a few guys who, you know, in the end got some got some big uh, Miami uh, bags of money thrown their way, which, um, you know, in today's kind of college football state, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. It just it is what it is. But, um, you know, it's well, I can like... tell you, sorry to cut you off, but I uh, I did want to interject there with that wide receiver going to Oregon. A lot of people don't understand that there's going to be depending on when a wide receiver signs with us and what, like, level of ranking they are, there are going to be ones that we – they might be a five-star or four-star that we probably will end up losing, but it's because of our wide receiver room depth. Like, I think that's worth worth noting. Like, a prime example, uh, and sorry to cut you off again, um, Jamison Williams – he was fourth or fifth on our depth chart, and he left, went down to um, – did he end up going to Alabama? Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. He went to Alabama, and he tore it up. He was their best receiver that year, and I'm pretty sure it's the same year they won the national championship. Um, so uh, it was, yeah. yeah. But that's just – you know, that's the way that works. So go ahead. Sorry. I just needed to interject that in there with the uh, wide receiver – I never really panic anytime I see like wide receiver um, decommit from Ohio State and go somewhere else. It's because you got to be a certain level of competitor to want to come to wide receiver U and compete for those top two, top three spots. Yeah. Yeah. No, and just, you know, as, as long as I've been, you know, kind of in the recruiting game that's just uh you know you don't you don't panic over anybody um you know like you said especially and if there's one position you know at a high state you're not going to panic over it's definitely 
definitely a wide receiver. You know, we're never going to have any short of a shortage of talent there. You know, our, our top two pro prospects um, that we signed were both two five-star receivers. And again, I, I've, I've drooled over JJ Smith and talked about him um, so much, but you know, the other guy that we got is um, a guy named Mylon Graham, who's a absolute speedster um, from Indiana. So, you know, he's, it's hard because it's funny. Like somebody, I saw a recruiting guy talking yesterday. Like, you know, nobody's talking about this guy. Everybody's drooling over Jeremiah Smith. But you know, any other year without without JJ, um, this kid would probably be maybe the top overall uh, receiver. So he's just as good. And then, um, you know, we've talked about Aaron Nolan coming in. You know, you got Edric Houston um, was a, a major, major, major get um an, an edge prospect out of Buford, Georgia. I mean literally in the Georgia Bulldogs backyard. So to go down to Georgia and um you know get him um out of there along with Aaron Aaron Nolan who's also from Georgia. Um couple really really big wins uh for the Buckeyes there. So yeah, in terms of talent, man, the top end of our recruiting class coming in is just as good as I've ever seen and um I can't wait to see uh who can who can make an impact next year on the field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know, um, at least for the Buckeye fans that listen to this that aren't super invested in recruiting, and as I've made it very clear, I normally am not, but hey, we're doing the podcast, we're talking about it, so I am more invested in it. Now, I'll find myself sending you stuff like, oh, did you see this? Or, oh, did you see that? And, uh, 99 times out of 100, you already did, but that's okay. At least, you know, I'm uh, on my side over here doing some research and uh, on the lookout. Um, but yeah. a lot of people are wondering why Ohio State has yet to hit the transfer portal with a quarterback. And I think it's something that's worth talking about. I I do. I think like Malik Murphy could be successful at Ohio State. Absolutely, um, could have uh, Cam Ward been successful with Ohio State. Absolutely, but I think we are in an interesting time where a lot. And I think this goes for Ohio State and a lot of teams. And why you're not seeing any like true craziness in the transfer portal, despite there being, you know, 1800 players that have gone through it. Um, it's because all these top tier programs, they want to see what happens with the bowl games, whether they're playing in the college football playoffs or if they're playing in one of the, especially the guys playing in the new year's six bowls, like Ryan day wants to see what Devin Brown wants to, is going to do. He wants to see what Lincoln King holes is going to do. And, I think based off of that game, that's going to have a major implication on what the transfer portal interest of a quarterback is going to have for uh, Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. And I think the same goes for a lot of other programs. It might be you might see a guy that um, doesn't play well in their bowl game and maybe a coach is like, hey, you know, this bowl game doesn't matter. We're going to give – the backup an opportunity and the backup comes in and shines and maybe that starting QB jumps in the portal. Like there's just so many scenarios that can play out. And I don't think it's really discussed when it's talked about um, is how many more players you'll potentially see hit the portal after bowl season's over, after the CFP's over and 
everybody starts to like really get their ducks in a row and figure out what's going on in 2024. Yeah. 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 And no, I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of frustration, you know, um, from, you know, <laughs> Buckeye fans on the internet as always. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot, everybody wants to land those splashy names. Um, obviously, you know, your Cam Ward, your Riley Leonard, your Malik Murphy, um, things like that. But I, I think like you've said, you know, it's, um, I think this game is going to be a bit of an audition for, for Devin Brown and um, even some other position groups, you know, like offensive line and receiver and, um, you you know, running back now that we're so thin, you know, Um, I I think, like you said, I don't, I don't think you're going to see a lot of portal, um, you know, movement as far as like incoming players until, until after the bowl game. But, um, you know, I've heard like from (laughs) people are saying that Devin Brown's been lighting it up in practice and um, you know, that's kind of, uh, on one hand, it sounds great, but you know that's all we heard about with him lighting it up in the fall camp too. And then you know we see how that how that Turned transpired. Out. So yeah, so I mean with Devin Brown, it's it's um it's never it's consistency. Been a, uh, that's the issue. That's it. it. It's never been a um you know an issue of talent. You know, obviously everybody knew he had more upside than Kyle McCord, but it was consistency, absolutely. And um you know Day kind of said in his presser the other day that. I think, you know, without Kyle McCord looking over his shoulder, you know, it's kind of allowed Devin to play a little more freely and a little more confidently. And, you know, he's, like I said, he's, we've talked about last, last week, you know, he's got that swagger, man. He's the, he's the guy. And, you know, you give a guy like that some confidence and, um, you know, watch out. So um, yeah, hopefully we, you know, we don't need to bring in a portal quarterback. It's looking like at this point, it's probably, we're probably going to roll with the three that we got. Um, But one thing I want to say too, real quick before we, you know, move on to anything else or you tell one thing I'm kind of worried about is if Devin Brown comes out and just lights it up and throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns you kind of mentioned earlier with like the Joe Burrow thing you know I I can already freaking hear it I'm just gonna go ahead and say I can hear people saying now oh look you know he it's a Joe Burrow situation you know we let we let Burrow walk he should have started over Dwayne Haskins and you know we're gonna hear the same thing oh Devin Brown here see day you're a freaking idiot Devin Brown should have been starting all along but again it's, a different you know, it's, scenario. Just, like, it, 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 it's just that that consistency you know what I mean like when 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 they had the battle in fall camp um you know my kind of comparison is like if anybody out there plays fantasy football um whenever I look at players you know I think a lot of people like you know, will hit the waiver wire pretty hard because they'll pick up some random guy that just randomly has a 23-point game as far as, like, a receiver or something, right? And right. for me, like, I, when I'm starting players, like, I don't want that receiver that scores 20 points one week and zero the next, and then 18 points one week and then two the next. Like, I want that guy that scores eight to ten points every week. I'm looking for that consistency, and that's kind of, like, how I compared, you know, this battle. Like, it, you know, Devin Brown is that guy who – he looked really, really, really good, and then he looks really, really, really bad. And and McCord was just kind of that steady, consistent player that was you you know what you're getting. And um, you know I, I think Day made the right decision as far as the quarterback went for this year. But again, I just I want to throw that out there because I know if if Devin Brown lights it up, we're gonna boy we're gonna hear it. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Um, you know I'm sure we'll if I mean I want him to light it up. I would rather be sitting here talking about the um, intelligence factor of 
uh, or lack of emotional intelligence of many Buckeye fans out there and their ability to <laughs> understand scenarios and situational awareness and how if you know you're the guy and there's yeah, like you're pretty much getting that guaranteed start. There's a whole different type of confidence and um, a lot of things working for in your direction, in your favor than when you're trying to fight for the spot. You already know that the year prior, the other guy was getting the attention when Stroud was either it was late in the game or if he was going to get hurt, he was the backup. So he was already fighting a leg down to begin the season. Um one thing I do want to talk about, and while we're talking about quarterbacks here, and it doesn't have, and I, we can correlate this to Ohio State, or it can correlate it to um, to any listener that's listening to this, and they're your team, um, whether it be Duke or North Carolina or Michigan or Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, whatever. Getting a transfer QB, despite how good they may be, is still a major challenge to deal with. And the reason being, if you look at Devin Brown and even Lincoln Kinghals, um, they both were on Ohio State's roster the entire season this season. They were at every practice this past season. They got reps in practice. They know the playbook. They know the play calls. They know the, the guys around them that are going to be stepping into their new roles they've had a chance to build this chemistry. And that's like one of those things that nobody talks about. A lot of times when a quarterback transfers, especially if they've got a couple of years, their first year's really not good. Like Joe Burrow, for instance, he wasn't that great because he had to learn a new system, had to get a new offense, had to learn timing with receivers and just building that chemistry and understanding how the offensive line works and, there's just so many intricacies that happen for a quarterback to come into a team. So, yeah, if Cam Ward would have came on board and we went for or we went for him and got him or whatever, um, yeah, it would be exciting. But there's still a major, major hurdle in the way of building the chemistry, getting the time into the routes down with the personnel, understanding who's in the room understanding the playbook. Um, but that's not talked about. I mean, media, like the media outlets, they don't talk about that, which I don't understand why, because I find it interesting. And maybe it's just because I'm starting to, you know, quote unquote, or quoting you, nerd out into this. Um, but I think that's a huge factor in getting a portal quarterback. And if you look at it, other than when LSU um, – got the portal quarterback i know we had um technically the i don't know if the the portal didn't exist when we got justin fields it was it was different then right it was a because he had to have like a signed um, waiver waiver. and everything so it was a different process it wasn't this it wasn't what it is now Uh, but other than that like if you think about it there's not many of those top five top even six, seven schools that really have a transfer QB come in. Um, Like if you look at Quinn Ewers, he, when he played last year with Texas, he didn't look awesome. A lot of games, he, it would be up and down. It would be, I would compare his year last year at Texas to what you were describing Devin Brown as 
Like he could come out there and he could show off his skills and ability and be like, holy crap, like this guy could win a Heisman. And then the next week it's like, holy crap, this guy couldn't start for Rutgers. Like, <laughs> so like, and, and that's another reason why he's coming back again for another season. Cause even this past season, he had a lot of inconsistencies. So I just, you don't really see the major programs getting a lot of, transfer portal quarterbacks and some people might say oh well look at usd you know they got caleb williams and it's like okay well look how good that worked out no playoff wins no pac-12 win or pac-12 championship and his draft stock went down like so i think that's important to note too and i think ryan day is probably i mean obviously he's pretty smart he's coaching Ohio State. I think he's smart enough to understand those other factors that go into it. Whereas like some of these other schools, the smaller ones like Duke, for instance, they just lost their starting quarterback who they loved. Of course, they're going to try to get another big name out of the portal if they can, because that's going to enhance their program. Right. Whereas for us, it's hard for me to say that some guy that's transferred out of the portal is going to enhance our program when you factor in all of those intangibles that you got to work out with the chemistry and whatnot, with the team, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's just something I wanted to uh, throw in there. Yeah, no, it, it's, um, it, it's something, you know, kind of Ryan day has talked about too. Um, you know, he says that they are very, um, you know, very thoughtful and um, very methodical, you know, when it, when it comes to the portal, you know, they're not, you know, he's, he's not Deion Sanders, you know, he's just, he's not just out there, you know, taking anybody that'll, that, that'll bite, you know, they, um, it, it has to be a fit, you know, that, that's how, that's how Buckeyes have always done in recruiting and it's how they do with the portal too. You know, they, they're going to recruit guys who are, um, you know, good students, guys who are high character. Um, you, you know, it has to be, it has to be a cultural fit too. You know, that's just one of those things that kind of, you know, gets overlooked, you know, it's not on a stat sheet, you know, um, you know, and the other thing about it is too, is it, um, if you're going to bring in a guy, it better be an upgrade. You know, you, you can't just bring in guys just, uh, you know, I, certainly you do make a few here and there, just depth pieces that, you know, but, but for the most part at these major positions, like a quarterback, wide receiver running, if you're going to bring in a guy, man, he better be, he better not just be a guy. He better be a dude. And, um, so, you know, I think with with quarterback, like I just think we're not seeing um, – you're not seeing anybody out there in the portal that is, that is a surefire, can't miss, head and shoulders better than anybody we have. You know, all of these guys that enter the portal, you know, there's typically – I think you kind of even said this. There's a reason for it. You know, they, these guys all – they all have have scars. You know, if, if they were a surefire stud, you know, they'd be either sticking where they're at or they'd be off to the NFL. You know, like Cameron Ward is a guy who – I love, I, I would take him in a heartbeat. Absolutely. But, you know, in his three seasons at Washington state, he's also had, I think they said like 30 some turnovers. Um, you know, Riley Leonard was the guy from Duke who has major, major, major NFL upside. Um, but he's been hurt a lot of his career, you know, he, and he only threw like, I think three touchdown passes this year. You know, you got guys like um, Dylan Gabriel who, yeah, is very good, but very, um, undersized, you know, not your, your, your NFL type of, uh, type of body, um, Malik Murphy, who is your NFL type of body, but has very little starting experience, you know, and, 
Texas fans, I guess, have been frustrated that he doesn't run. So, you know, I can go I can go on and on and on. But Cool. And I think yeah, another person. These guys all, these guys all are, you know, they're not, um, they're not can't miss guys. And, you know, Ohio State just, you have to be very careful about it, about, about bringing in these guys. Because if you do, man, it, it, again, it better be better than what you have. Because otherwise you're risking, um, you know, losing these guys that you've worked, you know, two or three years to recruit and, and develop and, and whatever. So, um, yeah, you gotta be, gotta be really careful. There's so much more that goes into the, uh, the process than just, Oh, Hey, you know, this guy wants to come here, you know, we'll take him. Sure. Why not? There's just a lot. It's, it's a big decision. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the other things that can, you know, kind of play into that, I want to make sure I get his name right. So I'm trying to pull it up really quick. Um, it should be, I'm literally just looking at it too. Um, <clears throat> Dylan Rayola. So uh, he, I mean, on paper, he was a five-star top recruit. Um, he is now on his third team. Uh, he originally, I don't know who he originally committed to. I know he went from, um, he was with Georgia this past season left Georgia, went to Nebraska. But prior to that, he was somewhere else. Do you know where he was at first, by chance? Well, he, he's still in high school, so he wasn't – he hasn't been anywhere yet. But he oh, was, he still he hasn't been at home. No, 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 no. He's a he's – a, yeah, he's a – yeah, he's a senior. Yeah, yeah. He's He's been committed to three different schools. He committed to Ohio State first and was our – Oh, our, okay, yes. I thought yeah. I knew we played in there somehow. That's wild. Yeah. And, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I can listen. Dylan Rayola, oh my God, um, he's been a story and a half in um, in the recruiting world, and he hasn't even stepped foot on a college uh, college football field yet. Um, again, you know, his dad um, actually played for Nebraska. Um, his uncle coaches there. Um, his dad played with um, Matt Stafford um, on the Detroit Lions for like ten plus years. Uh, Matt Stafford, believe it or not, is actually his godfather. Um, and, and again, he's been committed to three different colleges. He committed to Ohio State. Then he's been committed to Georgia for a long time and just recently flipped to Nebraska. He has also been to every single year of high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. He played at four different high schools. Um, he is your, your what you hear about being a, um, a diva. When you when you hear the the quarterback uh, at the quarterback position, man, he he doesn't like competition. You know, he's he's he wants to go to a place where he's the guy. I think that was one of his issues with one of his high school um, programs. You know, they brought in like another top high school prospect uh, to kind of compete with him, and he left. And um, you know, he's he's almost got the same you know McCord daddy um situation where you know daddy's kind of running the show and um you know he doesn't want anybody to overshadow his own kid and um it's a real it's a real weird situation you know so it looks like he's you know he's ending up at nebraska um which you know good for them you know they're in the big 10 hopefully it makes them a little bit relevant or whatever but um you know and he's a good player he's a really good player um but at the same time man those are those are kind of those really selfish um, you know, not so high character kids that, you know, they might be the best quarterback in the freaking world, but you know, if they're going to come in there and, 
you know, only care about themselves and, you know, be a total douchebag. You know, sometimes it's better just to let those guys uh, go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also, speaking of the Buckeye um, quarterback room, I mean, we're about to add in. We just got a new signing um, here a couple of days ago, Aaron Nolan, which is another – he's a four-star. I mean, well, it depends on who – that's another thing when it comes to these uh, college recruits is depending on what website you're looking at, sometimes they're a four-star, sometimes they're a five-star. just depends. Um, so I think he's also, uh, from what I've been reading, he, he's got uh, – he's out of Georgia. He is, there's a lot of good um, prospect around him as well. So that's another quarterback entering the Ohio State QB room. And I'm curious, I would imagine – uh, he will probably graduate early and uh, come up to Ohio State at the end of January. And if he does that, then we'll get a chance to see him in uh, the spring. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's what with, um, that's something else that's, that's changed a lot, a lot, a lot over the years is these guys, the amount of guys who enroll early, you know, used to in a, in a recruiting class of, you know, 24, 25 guys, you might have, four or five that, um, you know, would graduate early and be on campus in January and go through spring ball and all that. Um, these days, it's like you might only have four or five who uh, who don't. Um, I think out of our 20, 21 guys that, that we signed, I, I think I read 17 or 18 of them will be on campus in January. So, and go ahead, go ahead. I, I got to yeah, go. Yeah, no, so, I mean, in, in terms of these guys like a, like a J.J. Smith or Edric Houston or uh, Mylon Graham and, you know, some of these guys, James Peoples is a running back out of Texas who, um, you know, with our, our running back depth at the moment, we, you know, might have to play a little bit next year too. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the amount of leg up that it gives you, you know, being on campus early and getting to, uh, you know, be in the program, be in the, uh, be in the weight room, you know, the strength and conditioning nutrition program, learning the playbook, you know, getting, uh, you know, just getting the feel for college, you know, getting used to it. Uh, it's a, it's a really big advantage. So, um, it's, it's huge having these guys come in, come in super early. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people, um, who had frustration that, uh, Lincoln King Holtz didn't get, you know, a lot of playing time or opportunity this year. One of the big things, and you, we talked about this prior, is that he didn't show up till I think it was June, like late, late June, early July. Yep. He didn't, he didn't uh, graduate early. Which, for his case, I understand it because he literally, I think that year he won uh, a state title in like three different sports, so it made sense yeah. that he stayed and did that, but. For the most part, um, those guys that don't graduate early and come to uh, those schools in late January, early February, they're really at a disadvantage, especially if, even if they're a top prospect. There's a lot of times that uh, they're going to end up getting redshirted because they didn't come. And one of the things I also wanted to note with uh, Aaron Nolan signing, so obviously primary recruiter was uh, – Corey Dennis, but Brian Hartline also played a pretty critical role in his um, his signing. So I think that just shows as well with Hartline's development that it goes beyond receivers. A lot of people don't know that, that he does additional 
things for us. Obviously, it's going to be on those four and five star players. Um, but I think that also shows his growth as he is the offensive coordinator and developing as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Brian Hartline is, you know, the best recruiter on our staff and um, one of the best recruiters in college football. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, getting him to uh, to dip his toes into recruiting some quarterbacks um, is it, huge because, again, you know, quarterback is the most important position maybe in all of sports. And, uh, you know, when you can have a guy like Hartline um, go out there, he's just so good at at landing these top kids and, you know, uh, relating to them and build relationships with them and all this stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's great, especially, I think, you know, with him having, having the, uh, you know, co OC title or whatever, I, I think that has, you know, helped him dip into a little more of the offensive players besides just wide receiver. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did a good job going into, uh, going into sec territory and, and landing a few of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I did notice that a couple of our signings that we did get out of the transfer portal are offensive linemen, which I think is important. Um, as we know, our our offensive line, uh, they lack consistency, I'd, I'd say, at the end of the day. Uh, actually, one of my uh, San Diego State guys actually signed with the Buckeyes. He was a uh, four-star, so – it's going to be interesting. We got that uh, interior offensive lineman, and then we also got a tackle from um, – who's that from? ULM, I think. Um, so, I think it just shows also that our coaching staff is – and obviously they're aware, but, again, because of the lack of emotional intelligence with a lot of our fan base is that – we think that the coaches are just blind and we're all couch coaches, right? We're all like, man, if I can see that, you know, we're doing this on first down every time, then obviously opposing teams can see that. Or if our offensive line isn't consistent, there's no way that our coaching staff doesn't see that. And it's like, well, they do, but what do you want them to do? Do you want them to sub in the guy who they beat out for the spot? Or it's like, it's not like we don't put our best players out there to put us in the best position to win. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it works out well. And then there's other times where, you know, there's lack of consistency. But again, when you've got a offensive lineman that beats the second string out by head and shoulders, it's hard to, uh, think that, oh, hey, our inconsistent problems are going to be solved by bringing in the guy who got beat for the position. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, one thing you were talking about earlier, too, um, was – should have lost my place now. Hold on. That's how it goes, dude. Anytime you got a web page pulled up, the second you go to speak, yeah. an ad comes up and the page goes to the top. Yeah, sorry. Here I lost my place. But um, anyways, yeah. W- one thing too, I, I'll, I'll just say like with um, oh, it was about Carnell. T- uh, you know, you said with these guys that didn't come in early, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a very big disadvantage. You know, like you said with Lincoln Kaneholtz not coming till June. Um, you saw it play out. Um, you know, this year on the field with um, Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis. 
Um, you know, two guys who are, you know, Brandon Ennis was, I think, rated higher than Carnell Tate coming out of high school. You know, two five-star receivers that um, both played in South Florida, you know, studs, you know, absolute great players. Um, but Carnell Tate, you know, he graduated early and came in and uh, was on campus in January. And uh, Brandon Ennis couldn't. You know, that's kind of a, a, the, the situation with some of these guys is, you know, it's not that they want to, but um, depending on what state you go in and you, what state you go to high school in, excuse me, and what, you know, what their, um, you know, their academic standards and all this stuff are, you know, there are some school high schools who do not let you graduate early. You know, some can and some can't. And Brandon Ennis was just in the situation where he wanted to come in early and he just he was at a high school that didn't allow that. Um, so, you know, you saw Carnell Tate got way, way, way more playing time um than Brandon Ennis this year so yeah again just kind of another you know example there of how uh you know how big of an advantage coming in early is and um yeah oh yeah and especially when it comes again to the quarterback position um if you're not there in the spring you have got to be a number one I mean you have to be as you said you got to be the dude to to be able to come in show up in the fall and take a starting role, especially at a position like quarterback. So it's just, it really is one of those things. It's like, if you want a red shirt, show up in June. If you want a chance to make the roster and potentially see some playing time and maybe you get into a game and you get the chance to prove yourself and get a lot of playing time, show up as early as you possibly can. Um, oh, shoot. Did you have anything else to add about uh, just with Ohio State and Transfer Portal and um, any of the National Signing Day stuff? Um, I, I think just as far – just one last thing on the, you know, the portal again. With us moving so slowly, again, I think you'll see – um, you know, after the bowl game, I, I think you'll see us sign um, a few guys. You know, I think uh, last year we signed like eight or nine guys out of the portal. Um, this year I would expect to sign maybe four or five, uh, six guys. But um, one thing I'm hearing, and you, you kind of got the feel from um, listening to Ohio State's press conferences um, the past week or so, there's a lot, a lot of guys um, that are playing in this bowl game, guys that, you know, early on in the season, you would not think it, um, at this point, it it looks like, I think Marvin Harrison is the only guy who is probably not going to play and is the only surefire guy who's going to the NFL. I'm hearing that there's a lot of guys who are, are you, it's going to surprise a lot of people who are really, really, really highly considered, you know, we talked about Trey Henderson being one of them and, and Emeka, but, um, I've just started hearing the past few days that it, it's looking like guys like JT Tui Maloow and, um, you know, and Denzel Burke and Mike Hall and um, some of these guys who we thought were sure, sure, sure fire um, goners to the NFL are not getting the grades that they um, that they were hoping for. So it's really, really looking like it, it could be other than Marvin Harrison. You know, there's a lot of guys who um, who could be any other of those guys that I just named besides Marvin Harrison could, could, could be coming back. So it could be a situation where we see way, way more guys, you know, return next year. And um, we have way less starting, starting spots 
available than we expected. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on as far as who plays in the bowl game and then, you know, seeing afterwards um, some of their comments. Because I'm hearing this, it could be, it could shock a lot of people, but it, there's a lot of guys who might be coming back that you wouldn't think. I think that's also – that's a really good possibility. And I think there's also that uh, possibility that they want to use this bowl game as, like, their standout moment before going to the draft, like, hey, if I go and I uh, – like Trevion, for example, like if he if he plays and, you know, he goes in and runs for 130 yards, 140 yards with a touchdown or two, maybe that, that might give him a little more favorable um, draft stock. Yeah. I mean, realistic – I mean, think about it. Like Emeka Abuka, I mean, he started out the season, they were – prospecting him as like the number two or number three receiver to go in the draft, which I was, I thought, I mean, I don't like to say he was overrated, but in that sense, I did feel like that was a, a lot more than a favorable ranking. I didn't think we saw enough of him last year to make that decision. Um, But yeah, I could see him as well because his draft stock as he has, dealt with injury and stuff like that. His draft stock did drop a lot and the interest around him. So I feel like uh, a lot of those guys will uh, try to look to have a standout game. But I do think as much as I don't want to diss our, our, our team, but if you look at our defense and the number of sacks that we had, it was very underwhelming. And most people that, follow NFL recruiting they really care about defensive linemen and getting sacks so I could very easily see Hall coming back I could see Tuimalo coming back to try and have that stamp of a season that's going to get them from potentially you know a fifth sixth seventh round to maybe a two three four round and for people that follow the money with that and what comes along with it it's a huge deal huge deal yeah Yeah, i think uh, i've heard that too like exactly what you just said you know there there might be a few of those guys at the top there like in like jt like mike hall who they could be waiting to see like you said if they just absolutely blow up and just you know ball out in that in that ball game you know that that might be enough to um you know to get their nfl interest peaked a little bit that they could leave um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that we see more of these guys return, return than not. And so if that's the case, you know, I think all Buckeye fans want to see all these, you know, they get a little jealous, they get a little FOMO whenever you see all these top, um, transfer portal guys, you know, committing elsewhere. But, um, you know, at the same time, man, we had a top, what, top two, top three defense this year. And, um, you know, if we can get a lot of those guys back, um, I- I'll take the guys that we have back any day over, you know, some, uh, some, you know, defensive line recruit from, you know, University of Texas, El Paso or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we get a lot of those guys back. No, I agree for sure. I would absolutely take those guys because, and that's another thing that you rarely see these days in college football is the same group getting to play together multiple seasons. It just doesn't happen anymore with the transfer portal and with um, people going to the NFL and that kind of thing. Um, so I think that 
with that happening, I mean, man, if for some, I mean, it's sounds like a dreamer saying that, but you know, if, if those core guys actually come back, especially on the defensive end, um, I could see Burke wanting to, I feel like he's probably going to the NFL. I would say it's a lot greater chance that he's going to go to the NFL than come back, especially because DB is one of those, it's one of those positions. Like if you have a great year, you're not saying that you're going to have a bad year the next year, but especially for him, like the amount of improvement that he had, he should ride that high horse and take it to the NFL and get paid. Um, but I mean, I, to see all those guys potentially come back or even a decent portion of them. Wow. I would feel really, really good going into next season. Um, and some people, and, even the sad part is, is this whole quarterback talk is going to take the light away from that. Like, even if a bunch of these guys come back, you know, they're still going to just be like, oh, well, they can all come back. But we saw what happened with McCord last year. So unless they can figure out their quarterback situation, it doesn't matter. But I think that there's one thing, like, if you get these guys back, it's like, oh, crap, like they're all playing together again. They already had a well-established defense. It's going to be even better this year that or next year. And then you have those – I mean, for the most part, I don't – like, realistically, it's hard to worry about wide receivers. <laughs> it's just – you know what I mean? Like, I, would I love to see Emeka Buka come back? Absolutely. I think he's a great receiver. He'd probably be wide receiver one, or he might be two again. Honestly, like – we have a really deep room. And that's another thing that like makes me feel like he probably won't come back is because Heartline makes you earn it, right? You're not going to get a free pass to be like, okay, yep, you're wide receiver one no matter what. And no, he's going to make him compete and you're going to have to win that spot. And not saying that Mecca wouldn't be up for the challenge, but you know, if I'm sitting there weighing my options, I'm like, okay, well, I'm projected to go in the second round. That'll get me, you know, about two million, um, maybe five hundred thousand dollars signing bonus, or I can go back to Ohio State and compete with the five stars who are potentially at my same skill level, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher. Who knows? And then it's up for the unknown. So I, I feel like I would take the decision to go to the NFL. If I was him. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know that um I, I don't see a lot of upside, you know, next year where he could uh you know blow up and, and be you know, he's never gonna be Marvin Harrison Jr. You know what I mean? He's just not that great, 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 solid, solid receiver, you know. I, I love him to death, but he's not Marvin Harrison Jr. and he never will be. So, you know, do do I think he's gonna come back and have that type of just phenomenal blow up season that, you know, makes him a surefire fire top 10 pick or something like that. I just, I don't think he has that kind of upside. I mean, I think he's kind of reached probably reached his ceiling for what, for what he is. And, you know, again, that's not a knock on him, you know Um, but you know, nobody's Marvin Harrison jr. Either. So um, yeah, I I don't know how much, um, you know, even coming back next year, I I don't know how much his stock would rise. So it might, I think he's a, I think he's a Juju Smith-Schuster. When he's with a good top guy, he's phenomenal. 
right? Like when you think about Juju Smith-Schuster on the Steelers with uh, Antonio Brown, he had a couple of seasons there where everybody's like, holy crap, like this guy might be the guy. But in reality, Antonio Brown was taking all those double teams and the best corners away. And Juju was better than the second best guy on most teams. Whereas Emeka is better than the second best guy on most teams. Um, so I, I look at him in that format and, and like I say, I mean, you get Carnell Tate, you got JJ coming in, you've got, you know, a couple of these other guys. I, and you know, they're hungry. They are hungry to get on the field and stay on the field consistently. I mean, it's going to be an absolute, I bet you it's going to be an all out war in that wide receiving room. Hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Well, one thing to point out too. I, not only I, I just want to say this too. I, I don't know how people, how people, how much people understand how significant this is. Jer- Jeremiah JJ Smith is not just the number one wide receiver in the country according to two four six. He's the number one overall player. I mean, yeah. out of all these, you know, five star quarterbacks, edge rushers, you know, all these, he's the number one rated player overall. I mean, he is just like so. I, I, there are people in South Florida. Um, I, again, maybe people don't know this. I, I just kind of talk about things like this that, like, I, I think people know, but I, but they probably don't. The amount of players, NFL players, and talent that comes out of Florida and not just Florida, South Florida, is ridiculous. I could go, I could go on and on about the names of players, but there are people down there who are saying Jeremiah Smith is the maybe the best receiver to ever come out of Florida. And, wow. and again, this is not just like I, I sit here and I'm raving about him. And again, but like I've said, you know, he's he's got every bit as much talent as Marvin Harrison Jr., if not more. I mean, I'm not kidding. I can't I can't overhype him enough. I mean, this kid is the real deal. Like he is he is starting day one next year. I mean, he's he's a like a Julio Jones massive body fast strong hand he's just he's unbelievable i just can't i can't wait to see him man it's it's gonna be awesome well yeah and i think him also with him signing with ohio state that again further shows what brian hartline has done with the ohio state receiver room and how far the recruiting has come with Ohio State wide receivers. I mean, that's literally – that type of signing is – I mean, it's insane. It, it's it's literally insane. And this guy – don't get me wrong. Marvin Harrison Jr. was um, – he was popular coming in, but not like this. Like, you no. know what I mean? Like, like, he was popular because he was Marvin Harrison Whereas, like, this dude, he is coming in and everyone's like, yo, this guy is a total head turner. He is going to be the next huge thing in college football. Um, So it's going to be – it's going to be real, real interesting. And also, I did like that Ryan Day um, in one of his latest – comments that he made regarding all this up in the air of the um, people going to the NFL, not going to the NFL, that he's expecting to have a really good group come back next year, which is part of the reason why he's been very patient with the transfer portal. Yep. So, yep. 
it's uh, looking it's, it's yeah it's looking good i mean it's sounding everything that you know uh, you know people are saying inside the program and then everything that you know some of these um kids said in their interviews and the things ryan day has said like we've said before you know they're they these guys normally don't tip their hats but man the way some of these guys like like jack sawyer and and um you know Emeka, some of the way these guys are talking like they're they're really hungry to uh you know, to come back and, you know, and, and beat Michigan and, and prove people wrong and stuff. So yeah, don't, don't be surprised if we get a, a good, good, good portion of those guys back. Like you said, I, I think for sure Marvin's gone. That's a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, again, like, is it like likely that JT to Malowal, Denzel Burke and a few of those guys still go probably, but um, if they come back too, I also wouldn't be surprised. So I, I think if Burke comes back, that would really surprise me. Yeah. JT, yeah. not so much. I, I can see, like I say, because of the whole sack deficiency, um, I could see that being a reason for wanting to come back. And, you know, if he can come back and have eight, ten sacks and maybe force a couple of turnovers, that would really boost his draft stock um, in the NFL. So, because in reality, he wasn't really on the radar to go to the NFL until he had that insane game with uh, Penn, against Penn State last year. That's like what really put him on the like that really put him on the map. People were like, "Holy crap! Like, who is this guy? Like, he just literally won the game as a single player." So, I think that really put him on the map, and then obviously a lot of um, a lot of high praise and expectations coming into this past season and he didn't play bad but again you know what you know how it is it's it's all about those those stats that's what so many people focus on now and i'm you know his sacks just weren't there this year and i mean a lot of people don't realize due to different blocking combinations double teams chips and everything else but we don't need to that would be another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Explaining different types of blocking schemes and all that stuff. I, that's a that's a rabbit hole for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited for next week to watch the Buckeyes play. It'll literally be a week from today. Uh, I know I told you um, – already but i am going to the holiday bowl and understanding that none of the starting quarterbacks will be there playing that's okay uh it's between florida state and uh usd but it'll be exciting to just get to a football game man that's that's one of those things like i love going to football games and i think it'll honestly be really entertaining because you're going to be watching two guys that are going to be trying to make a statement for themselves and prove themselves to maybe they can either get in the portal or maybe they can earn that starting spot. Obviously FSU uh, quarterback, he's going to be probably trying to get, see if he can get a starting spot in another school because Jordan Travis, when he comes back, it'll be his spot. Um, But the USC guy, I mean, with their backup leaving, that, that room's wide open. So that's a really good opportunity for that guy to come in and prove himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shoot that. I mean, again, without, yeah, I mean, you don't have those top guys playing, but 
still, I mean, good Lord, getting to see USC and FSU play each other uh, firsthand, that's going to be awesome. You know, that's not a lot of people get to experience going to uh, going to a bowl game. So that's uh, that'll be really cool. And it's on a baseball field. <laughs> there you go. So I, I love. It's on the Padres well, field? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yep. Uh, it's actually one of the longest. Um, obviously, it's not like Cotton Bowl, Rose Bowl, those kind of bowls, but as like non New Year's Six Bowl, it's one of the longest standing bowls. So really oh, exciting. Wow. We were actually originally looking to go to the Rose Bowl, Michigan and yeah. Alabama, but I wasn't paying two grand <laughs> to go watch Michigan. Yippee. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Now, if Ohio State would have been there. I'm going. <laughs> so no, that's hey, one of the know, things. What, I'm... Cra- Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And what, what's crazy, like I saw somebody post this earlier and I was like, damn, that's so true. Like, you know, one of the, it was like somebody said like, you know, hey, like for Kyle McCord, right? Like, like life comes at you fast, you know, because had, you know, he here he was last night um, at Syracuse's bowl game watching them get trounced. But, um, you know, had he thrown a touchdown pass to uh, win the game right there at the end of the Michigan game, he'd still be on Ohio State. You know, he'd be getting ready for the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, you know, he was literally just a player or two away from not being on a uh, terrible Syracuse team and, you know, getting ready to play uh, Alabama in uh, in the Rose Bowl. So, it's just, it's, it, you know, it's funny how, uh, you know, life works out like that. So, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely – the way it goes but uh i think i mean it obviously sucks for us i would love to have been in that situation um and honestly i think had he not got hit on that that throw not to get back into the whole how state michigan game but yeah i think he i think he completes that pass to martin harrison i'm pretty sure we're gonna score a touchdown on that drive like yeah every bit of momentum and everything was in our favor except for his arm getting hit so, yep. but that's the way the cookies crumble sometimes. Um, <laughs> did you have anything additional that you wanted to uh, add into this episode? No, no, not really. I mean, again, I, I think a lot of it was just, um, you know, covering kind of the portal updates and, you know, signing day and, and whatnot. Um, w- one thing I'll leave you with here, I'll leave you with a, uh, inspirational quote from the recruiting world <laughs> not oh, really inspirational, but um what one thing my favorite recruiting phrase i think about this just you know every like national signing day and stuff is uh you know the people who don't follow recruiting you know it, it's you know to kind of uh you know state the importance of it um you know recruiting is just it's the lifeblood of of, of your program man and, and again it's you know a lot of people get caught up on um, you know, who your head coach is and what kind of system you run and all this stuff. But uh, one of my fav- favorite recruiting phrases is, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. So uh, <laughs> that's one of my, why I love recruiting so much, man. You know, it doesn't matter if, if Nick Saban's your coach and, you know, you've got the best offensive coordinator in the world and you got this high-powered offense and stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, you got all the best – facilities and uniforms and NIL deals, you know, none of it matters if you don't have the, uh, don't have the talent. So that's why I love recruiting so much. It's just, you know, it's, it's the lifeblood of every program, man. So again, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I mean, that's really accurate though, honestly. I mean, and 
not to go off on a tangent, but I mean, that kind of applies to like every business in the world too. doesn't matter how good of a infrastructure you have if the uh, people inside it suck. There you go. See, you, see? So. you can relate to business. There you go. Oh, shoot. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time here. And it's for those of you who don't know. So it's uh, after nine o'clock my time on the West Coast. So that means it's after midnight for Zach. Uh, that just shows his dedication to this podcast. Um, and then on a quick side note, I know I haven't put out any normal episodes recently. I plan to do one, get it released probably early next week. Um, which I'll address why I haven't done an episode because um, that's an episode itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also be on the lookout. Zach and his wife Katie and I are going to get something lined up for the three of us to talk about the education system. And I am looking so forward to doing that. It's just a matter of us lining up scheduling and stuff like that, which I know we'll get figured out. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know too if uh, I don't I don't know if we're gonna be able to uh, get in another. You think we'll get in another quick episode before the bowl game, or you think this is it before the bowl game? Um. Well, realistically, I'll probably get this episode up and running either tomorrow Saturday or uh, the following day Sunday. Uh, well, realistically, I don't see why I couldn't get a release tomorrow. So probably Saturday tomorrow. Um, maybe we do. I don't, I'm kind of looking at it like this. Unless some like major news starts coming out about like players playing and that kind of stuff, I would say probably not. But maybe we could do like a little mini episode on um, just bowl game predictions and stuff like that. Like we could talk about like the New Year's Six Bowls and talk about. Um, CFP, I know we talked about the CFP already, but there's a lot more time has gone by since then. And um, so we could we could dive in and make our playoff predictions and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's fine. And if not, like I said, I mean, we can we can always wait until, you know, after the after the bowl game and give our thoughts on it and stuff. You know, I think probably you getting out a, a regular episode and us trying to squeeze in this education episode is probably you know the the top priorities so uh yeah that's that's totally fine yeah that is true that would be three episodes and less than <laughs> actually if you include this one it'd be four episodes in less than one week's time so yeah not happening yeah yeah <laughs> no thanks <laughs> yeah yep Alrighty. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode of Drew and Co. Unplugged. This episode has been sponsored by the Racing Downtown Athletic Club. You can stop on in, have a great conversation. You can talk about your local high school sports. You can talk about pro sports, college sports, and everything in between, depending on who's sitting in there. And you might be able to get a haircut. You might not. I don't know. That's something that you might want to ask when you walk in the door if you're feeling shaggy. Again, that is the Racine Downtown Athletic Club. Did you just... <laughs> wow. That was a promo and a half right there, brother. I know, dude. I, I even brought up like the nice like soft tone. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that, that's going to wrap up this episode. Zach, <laughs> thank you for coming. I hope that you have the most Merry Christmas with your awesome family 
And I am just looking forward to closing out this year strong and seeing where uh, this pod's going to go in 24. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you guys and everybody out there, man. Happy holidays. Go Bucks. Absolutely. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Have a Merry Christmas. And if you don't listen to this until the new year, you need to do better. <laughs> Just kidding. It's the holidays. I get it. Um, but yeah, that's going to close out this episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>